the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Sermon on the Mount are not some nice words to hang in an office cubicle. They're not some pious platitude to put on our walls. They are words to be the very bedrock, the very foundation of our characters. That's Pastor Mark Finley, and this is Hope Lives 365. At Hope Lives 365, we believe God answers prayer. If you'd like somebody to pray with you, keep in mind this telephone number throughout today's broadcast, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-HOPE. Here now is Pastor Mark Finley with today's Hope Lives 365. If we have been raised with Christ, if we seek those things that are above, if we set our mind on heavenly things, then our true identity is in Christ. Now, have you heard anything recently about stolen identity? Is there a great concern in America today about stolen identity? You know, according to a report released by the United States Department of Justice, more than 11 million Americans every year about 6 or 7% of our population fall victim to identity fraud and they have their identity stolen. Now, most of these may be drops in the bucket, but did you know in 2013, $21 billion was lost because of stolen identity? $21 billion. Now, Paul points this out, that our identity is in Christ. It can't be stolen because we've given it away. Our identity as a Christian can't be stolen because we've been given it away. I don't mean you shouldn't have identity protection. Don't take that point from the sermon. You take that point from the sermon, you missed it. In the Christian faith, in the Christian life, nobody can steal your identity as a Christian because you've already given your identity to Christ. You see, our identity is in Christ. It's not in our talents It's not in our abilities. It's not in our appearance. It's not in our home. It's not in our possessions. It's not in our position. Our identity is in Christ. Now, Paul soars into one of the most sublime truths of all Scripture in Colossians 3, verse 4. Here we go in Colossians 3, verse 4. And we're going to look at it there. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, notice this expression. Paul loved it. When Christ, who is our life. He mentions it a couple other times. Look at Philippians 1, verse 21. Christ is our life. Christ is our life. Philippians 1, verse 21. Paul had this passion for Christ. Christ saw through his eyes. Christ spoke through his mouth. Christ loved through his heart. Christ ministered through his hands. Christ joined him on his journeys through his feet. There's something about coming to Christ that is life transformational. 
Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So Paul said there's a reason for living that is Christ. Look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Paul soars into the heights of what it means to come to be a Christian. Galatians 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the Son of God. So here is eternal truth number one. Eternal truth number one is simply this. As you seek God continually through Jesus Christ, you can have a relationship with him that is deeper than you can imagine. Your life is hid with Christ in God. You can be nourished by the springs of eternity. Your soul need not be barren. As you set your mind upon Christ, he will feed you with the manna from heaven. You are secure in him, and your identity is in Christ. I love this old poem. It goes like this. So near, near to God, I cannot nearer be. For in the person of his son, I am as near as he. So dear, so very dear to God, I cannot dearer be. For in the person of his son, I am as dear as he. Now there is a second eternal truth that we at least have to spend a little time on. There are those Christians that have this idea. I can only have this relationship with Christ if I'm disciplined enough to achieve it. But my problem is that I'm not disciplined enough. I can only grow in grace if I have enough self-discipline. And the more I try, the more I seem to fail. I just am weak and don't have that discipline. There are others that have this idea. You just let go and let God. You just let go. Have you ever heard anybody say that? Just let go and let God. Somebody says, I tried letting go and let God. and it didn't work too well for me. I let go and nothing happened in my life. You know, they have this kind of idea that we're passive participants in the whole process of Christian growth. Now, here is what is true and here is what's not true. It is true that salvation is only of Christ. There is no work that you can do to add one merit to what Christ has already done. So it is true that righteousness comes directly from Jesus. But it's also true that if you want to grow in Christ and know Christ, that it's necessary to cooperate with Christ. So the Holy Spirit places within our heart every noble desire. The Holy Spirit works in our life to draw us to Christ every single day. But we have a choice whether we respond to that and put ourselves in an atmosphere of prayer, an atmosphere of Bible study. Now, ten times in Colossians chapter 3, you have action words, the action of the believer. And so we need to talk about that some this morning. What is the action of the believer in the light of Christian growth? So let's go to Colossians chapter 3. And I want you to notice the action words. First, Colossians 3 verse 1, seek those things. 
If you seek something, if you're seeking something, is that passive or active? Is it passive or active? It's active. Look, set your mind. Is setting your mind passive or active? It's active. Verse 5, put to death. Put to death. Who puts to death? The believer. The believer. So is putting to death, is that an active thing or a passive thing? It's an active thing. Look at verse 8. And now you must also, you must also do what? Put off these anger, wrath. Is putting off an active thing or a passive thing? It's an active thing. Look at verse 8. Now you must also do what? Put off all these. I read that one already. All right. You needed it twice. Verse 9. Do not lie to one another. Since you have done what? What have we done with the old man? Put off and with his deeds. And have put on the new man. Notice active words. Verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness. Verse 15. Let the peace of God. In other words, allow it, permit it, an active word. Verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. Ten times in Colossians chapter 3, the apostle Paul uses words that are very active. So in the Christian life, if we are going to grow in grace and grow in Christ, there's a certain activity on the part of the believer. The Holy Spirit prompts us. The Holy Spirit leads us. The Holy Spirit guides us. But the Holy Spirit will not choose to pray for you. The Holy Spirit will not choose to study the Bible for you. The Holy Spirit will not choose for you. He'll lead you to that choice. He'll prompt you to that choice. He'll empower you when you made the choice. But you and I have to make the choice. Kind of reminds me of the story of two men who lived side by side. They both planted gardens. And the one man's garden was beautiful. Every day he's out there working, picking the weeds. And his plants are green and lush. His fruit is wonderful. And he's using organic fertilizer and those Plants are growing and he's concerned about them and he picks off the dead leaves and he's every day picking the weeds. Now his neighbor plants the seed and lets the garden go. Doesn't do a thing to it. There's weeds that are overcoating that garden. The little fruit that's on there is scrawny and it's just dying. There's nothing he can eat. So one day this guy who's not keeping his garden looks over the fence and he sees this beautiful, beautiful garden. And he sees the guy on his knees weeding it. And he looks over and he says, man, God has really blessed your garden. And the man looks up and says, you should have seen it when God had it all by himself. (laughs) Now, let me ask you a question. If the man with the weeds in his garden prayed hard enough, would the angels come down and weed the garden? Would they say, don't worry about that. I got this one under control. I got this garden under control. I'm going to come down and weed it. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to pluck every weed out for you. You think if he prayed hard enough? You think if he read the Bible long enough that those weeds would come out of there? You think that would happen? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Why not? Because God has it in his divine plan that we cooperate with him if we're going to grow the fruits of the Spirit in our life. Let me read to you some amazing statements. Here's Selected Messages, Volume 1, page 381. Let no man present the idea. That's pretty strong, isn't it? Let no man, no woman do what, everybody? Present the idea 
that man has little or nothing to do in the great work of overcoming. For God does nothing for man without his cooperation. Is that clear, folk? God does how much for us if we're not going to cooperate? Nothing without our cooperation. But now listen, goes the balance. Neither say that after you've done all you can on your part, Jesus is going to help you. So you don't say that either, do you? Christ has said, without me, you can do nothing. From first to last, man is to be a laborer together with God. Unless the Holy Spirit works upon the human heart, at every step will stumble and fall. Man's efforts alone are nothing but worthless. But cooperation with Christ means victory. Cooperation with Christ means what, everybody? Let's say it together. Cooperation with Christ means what? Victory. Once again, cooperation with Christ means victory. Now, here's the question. How do I cooperate with Christ? Pastor Mark Finley will continue with more in just a moment. Stay tuned. Hope Lives 365 is a donor-supported ministry. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. If you have been blessed by our ministry, go to our website, hopelives365.com, or call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now, once again, Pastor Mark Finley. Here's the question. How do I cooperate with Christ? As the Holy Spirit impresses your heart, that the lens of your life is out of focus, that the things of time are crowding out the things of eternity. You say, Jesus, yes. I'm not going to battle you on this one. Yes, Jesus. When the Holy Spirit impresses your heart that you've got a critical tongue, when the Holy Spirit impresses your heart that the thoughts have been lustful, when the Holy Spirit impresses your heart that you've had a selfish, unkind spirit, when the Holy Spirit begins to impress us that the things we're putting in our body are not in harmony with God's will. How do you deal with that? I never can have one right impulse. I can never have one right desire unless the Holy Spirit plants that in my heart. Every desire you have for right, every desire you have for goodness, every desire you have to live a different life, the Holy Spirit's putting that in your heart. Thank God for that. Thank you, God, that you're showing me this in my life. Thank you that you want to draw me closer to you. Thank you that you want a more intimate relationship with me. And as that's occurring, what do we do? The Holy Spirit convicts us, but we choose to get on our knees and surrender that thing to God. That's why you have this marvelous statement here in the book Desire of Ages that really was concerning to me when I first read it because I didn't understand it. And we find it here in Desire of Ages, page 466. The expulsion of sin is the act of the soul itself. The expulsion of sin is the act of the soul itself. True, we have no power to free ourselves from Satan's control. But when we desire to be set free from sin, in our great need, cry out for a power out of and above ourselves. The powers of the soul are imbued with the divine energy of the Holy Spirit. 
and they obey the dictates of the will and fulfilling the will of God. So the Holy Spirit convicts us, and we say, God, I'm on my knees. We cooperate with God by saying yes to everything God convicts us with. Two eternal principles from the book of Colossians. Eternal principle number one. You and I can live in heavenly places with Christ and have an eternal relationship with him that we yet do not know. When we are reaching down for pennies in kitty wading pools, he wants us to die for pearls. He wants you to go deeper. Eternal principle number two. That occurs as we cooperate with Christ. As we cooperate with him, as the Spirit convicts us, we open our hearts to him, and he works in our lives to expulse sin from our lives so we can reflect his righteousness to a waiting world and a watching universe. How does this occur? Take your Bible, please, and turn to the third eternal principle, Colossians 3, verse 10. Third eternal principle. As the Spirit convicts us, we put ourselves in an environment where God can work. We put ourselves in an environment where the Spirit can touch us. That's why corporate worship is so important. When we come to church on a Sabbath morning, we're putting ourselves in the environment where God can work, in an environment where God can touch us. When we come to a prayer meeting, we're putting ourselves in the environment where God can touch us, where God can change us. When we get on our knees to pray, we're putting ourselves in that environment. We cannot be victorious over sin, but Christ can do it through us, but we can choose to put ourselves in an environment where Christ is going to do surgery on the soul. So look here. How do you choose to be in that environment? Colossians 3, you're looking there at verse 10. And having put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge, that's the key, according to the image of him who created him. The new man is renewed in something. What's the new man renewed in? Renewed in knowledge. Now notice verse 16. Colossians 3 verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. As we spend time in God's word and say, Lord, take the word And by your spirit, transform my life through the word. Lord, just as you created the world, recreate in me the joy of your grace and the power of your love. Move within me for that. Notice what it says clearly. It says, let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. There is no way to grow in Christian faith without saturating your mind with the word of God. The living word of God, the seed of the word planted in the soil of our minds, recreates the fruits of the spirit. God changes us and transforms us through his word. You know, when I take the word of God in my hand, I sense the privilege of this book. Recently, I've read an outstanding book called The Insanity of God. Now, that's quite a title, isn't it? The Insanity of God. And the book is about suffering in our world. And the author wrestles with the question of suffering, travels to Muslim countries, and he sees Christians martyred, travels to China, and he's struggling with this Christian of suffering. He's about ready to give up faith because he can't reconcile the bloodshed, the famine, the death of children. He can't reconcile that. But then in the most amazing places, he begins to find faith. And as he finds that faith, his own faith is rekindled. And he tells the story 
of being in a remote place in China. And he's with 170 believers in China. And these are house church leaders. And he wakes up one morning, and these house church leaders are sitting on the ground. There's about 170 of them. And he sees somebody with a book in their hand, ripping out pages from the book, giving it to these house church leaders. And so he comes out, he says to his host, what in the world is going on here? And his host says, of those 170 house church leaders, only seven have a Bible. And so what they're doing is ripping out pages from the Bible to give to every house church leader so they can go and teach their people the word of the living God. And then those people were singing, praise God from whom all blessings flow. And I think about that. These house church leaders were so thrilled to get a piece of scripture that they poured over that scripture, filled their minds with it, and grew to be mighty Christians. He tells the story about going to a Muslim country and visiting secretly with three Muslim Christians, one of whom had been beaten and bloodied for his faith. And he said to him, how'd you become a Christian? And this is happening more and more and more. My wife and I, as many of you know, are leaving to meet with 80 believers in one of the Muslim countries in a few weeks. And we want you to be praying for us that God will enable us to bring hope and courage to them. But Nick Ripkin tells the story in the book Insanity of God. He says, I went to visit with these Muslims and three of them. And more and more Muslims are having dreams. And this one Muslim leader now had a dream. And in the dream, he dreamed of a man dripping with blood. And he dreamed it again, a man dripping with blood. He dreamed it five nights in a row. And then he woke up and he said, who is the man dripping with blood? And his angel visitor said, he is the Lord Jesus Christ who died for your sin. This man began wandering through the marketplace. He's saying, how can I find Jesus? He had never heard the name of Jesus. How can you find Jesus? I don't know where Jesus is. I don't know who Jesus is. And a man he never saw before came out of the crowd and gave him a Bible and said, I was told to give you this. Read this and you'll find Jesus. And he read the Bible through three times. He got on his knees and he said, Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. You're the one that I worship. You're the one that I endure. You're the one that I want to live with forever. Gave his life to Christ. Today, they have raised up small groups of Muslim believers all through that country. Why? Because there's power in the word of the living God. If you want to grow in Christ, eternal principle number three, saturate your mind with the word. Saturate your mind with the word. The spirit is drawing you to grow deeper. The Holy Spirit is leading you to a deeper experience with him. Day by day, come to the word. Now, there's one last aspect of focus. Focus day by day on seeking Christ. Focus day by day in setting your mind on Christ. Focus day by day in knowing that your identity is hid with Christ in God. Focus day by day on cooperating with Christ. Focus day by day, and filling your mind with the word of God. One last thing Paul tells us. He says, don't miss this. Colossians chapter 3. We're looking there at verse 4. Easy to miss, but Paul says, don't miss it. Colossians 3, verse 4. This is Paul's hope. This is what drives him. This is what moves him. This is what motivates him. This is the very passion of his life. Colossians 3, verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, appears, Paul said, Christ is coming again. Christ is going to appear. 
when Christ who is our life appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Paul says, never lose focus of the fact that this world is temporary. Never lose focus of the fact that you're living in time. Never lose focus of the fact that the things around you are transitory. Never lose focus of the fact that the things you see are only part of an illusionary world. Never lose focus of the fact that Christ is coming again and that when Christ appears, you will be with him in glory as the journey is long, as the road is rough, as the mountain is high, at times as tears flow down your eyes, at times as father or mother dies, at times as you lay that child in the grave, at times when your finances go bust, at times when the economy goes south, at times when everything in your life seems to be shattered. Never lose focus of the fact that Jesus Christ is coming again. Stay focused, stay focused, stay focused. Stay focused on the ultimate goal, eternity at last. Stay focused on daily seeking Christ and setting your mind on things above. Stay focused on cooperating with God and saying yes to the promptings of the Spirit. Stay focused on growing with Christ through his word. Stay focused on the ultimate goal, eternity at last. And stay focused on the one thing that really matters, knowing Christ growing in Christ and living with Christ forever and ever and ever and ever. Are you fascinated by the prophecies of Revelation? Have you wished you could understand prophecy better? Do the symbols of the Bible's last book baffle you? God's Last Altar Call is just the book you need. Mark Finley clearly explains the events soon to unfold in this world. Be sure to call today for your copy, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. The book is yours for a donation of any size. Thank you for your generosity. Your donations keep this ministry on the air. Again, thank you for your support, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Thanks for listening today to Hope Lives 365. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.